Well, top of the morning to ya. We're gonna spend, oh, an hour and a half talking like we're Irish. I hope you want to hear that all day long. In fact, can you spend an hour and a half talking about the New Orleans Saints? Like you're Irish? Well, I'm Irish. My last name's Derry, for God's sake. We're not going to talk like that for an hour and a half, jackass. But we are going to have fun, and we are going to talk about the Saints. Coming up next on Datitude. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of datitude. And he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Well, you're at New Orleans. And hello to all my friends out there whose brackets go a-bustin' like the leprechauns stole the brackets and ripped them up one by one. Yep. Hey, am I the only one or did your bracket make kind of a sound like... Yeah, that's what I thought. Mine too, don't worry. And we're not going to talk. I, I, I already told. I got, I, I've almost got it out of my system. I've almost got it out of my system there, laddie. Not quite. Almost. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times, speaking in the advocate at bet.noah.com. And this is Datitude, episode number 141 for March 17th, 2023. I don't know. It's, it's really bad. It's almost like kind of a mixture of, of Irish and vampire. Neither one of them is good. I mean, but you kind of have to. I mean, I know it's, it's cliche and all that crap, but you still got to do it. I mean, I want to know, if you don't walk, at some point on St. Patrick's Day, if you're in your car by yourself, if you don't just talk like this, I don't even know what that is. If you don't try to talk Irish, I don't know what's wrong. That's a mixture of Irish and Iranian, I think. I don't even know what that is. But if you don't do it, then I don't know if I, we could be friends. I mean, if you, if you don't, like, play around, joke around, do stupid things once in a while, even if you're by yourself, you don't have to do it around other people. But I think something's wrong with you. I just do. If you're, like, straight, straight-laced all the time, that's not funny, it's stupid, I ain't, I'm not listening to this idiot. I mean, first of all, if you've been listening to me for any period of time... I think we probably could be friends because you're not listening to my style of talk if, if, if you don't have some of that in you. You know, again, even if it's just by yourself or whatever. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about on this Friday morning already. Here we are, three minutes in. I have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. Last year, last year, last week, I started off the season three premiere with a 20-minute bitch rant session. I got some texts from friends like, Dude, what the hell is wrong with you? I don't need to hear about half days and your kids. We all got kids. It's all half days. Everybody's got half days. Okay. Well, I mean, you didn't, have, you didn't all have to deal with the DMV. Yeah, okay, got you there. Now, if you didn't listen, go back and listen to whatever. I had a 20-minute rant. and I thought it was, I got it out of my system. I mean, this morning, 
The only thing I have to bitch about this morning is that I had to spend, and I'm not going to mention the restaurant because I don't want to call them out or anything, but I had to spend four McDollars on an egg biscuit. I'm not going to mention the restaurant, but four McDollars on an egg biscuit. They used to be like on the dollar menu. Again, I won't call the, the, the restaurant out. Don't want to blast them on Datitude. I mean, we have so many followers now. But, I mean, $4 for like a, one scrambled egg on a biscuit? On a McBiscuit? I don't know. What is, going, what is wrong with this world? I mean, there's so many things wrong with this world. But I don't want to sound like the get-off-my-lawn dude. I mean, I do that enough as it is, especially on Bayou Bet, so I'm not going to do it here on Datitude. All right, let's talk about what you want to hear about more than anything else, and that's the New Orleans Saints. And look, there's been a lot of things going on this week. It is a – I was going through the list this morning. I started typing them up. Um, Doug Moot's on, WWL-TV sports director, is going to be on in just a moment. I've known Doug for a long time. We have a lot of fun uh, when we do shows together. Because we don't just talk. I mean, we, we bring a lot of our own personal stuff in there. That, that's part of a show. I mean, mostly we talk about, we're old farts. We talk about, like, fantasy baseball and stuff. That's, like, our fun on the side. That's what we do for fun. Maybe some poker. Um, I don't talk about poker as much with, with Doug. But, I mean, I do play a lot of poker for those who don't listen to the show all the time. But I was going through this list, and I was trying to type them in before we started the show. And then I realized the show starts at 9.15. I started typing a minute, like, I don't know, 8.50. I mean, I already knew most of them anyway, but I was typing them in so I didn't miss any. And then I realized, holy crap, it's 9.13. We got the show starts in two minutes. I had to stop typing, and so I'll find a list. Our NOLA.com, handy NOLA.com signing. Listen to all these. And they have all the signings that have either re-signings with the Saints, free agent signings with the Saints, or Saints that have left to go elsewhere. Go elsewhere. Since... 20, since the beginning of free agency, or actually before, free agency technically started this week, but you could re-sign your own players or like Derek Carr, who was already released, you could sign him. But since February 27th, there have been 26 that have either, either come or gone. Okay? Uh, I'm sorry. There are, either, there are 26 free agents. Saints have 26 free agents. Okay? But other than that, if you go through this list and just some of these names, Passanio signed on February 27th, Derek Carr on March 6th, uh, Safety Ugo Amadi from the Titans and Chiefs signed with the Saints on March 7th, March 10th, JT, JT Gray resigned, March 11th, tight end Jawan Johnson resigned, David Anyamata left on the 13th along with Shai Tuttle, Caden Ellis, those hurt, Marcus Davenport. So that was a bad, bad start to free agency, losing Anyamata, Tuttle, Ellis, and Davenport. But what the Saints have done since then, and they lost Deontay Hardy, which is no great loss. Shahid's going to take his spot, and already has anyway. So adios. But, you know, the Saints signed Nathan Shepard and Colin Saunders. Defensive tackles, i said it a thousand times, defensive tackles, to me, are a dime a dozen, except for the super top-notch guys. Um, I think they got good deals on those. But the two that, to me, are the biggest of the week, I was floored when I found out Jameis Winston was coming back and re-signing with the Saints. 
Lord, no, and I'm, look, I'm trying to get him on the show. So we'll see how that happens over the course of the next couple weeks. I got a couple ends there, so we're working on it. I would love to have him on the show. Anyone that listens to the show knows that I've been a defender of Jameis Winston for a while now. And for good reason. Um, but I got to say, I was floored for multiple reasons. The, the number two reason why I was floored, I'll give you that one first, is the way the Saints, frankly, treated him last year. I, I can't believe that they wanted him back. I just assumed they didn't want him, that he didn't fit in their plans. Goes to show we have no idea what goes on inside of a building. None of us do. Unless you're actually inside the building working for the team, even if you're working for the team, a lot of times, unless you're like in the super inner circle, you have no idea what goes on. Because I can't believe the Saints wanted him back. I'm glad they did. I think he's a perfect backup quarterback. Might be the best backup in the league. But the number one reason I was surprised that he came back is if you were Jameis Winston, whether you like Jameis Winston, don't like Jameis Winston, or somewhere in between, would you want to come back to New Orleans? I mean, I got to tell you, I mean, I, oh, nobody else wanted him. How the hell do you know no one else wanted him? How, how would anyone know that no one else wanted him? He re-signed almost immediately as the free agent period started. Well, I'm sure his agent reached out to 31 other teams. See, his agent's Irish too, by the way. But how do you know? You don't know how many teams, maybe they weren't willing to give him $8 million, which is what the Saints gave him. Maybe nobody wanted him. Maybe a few teams had interest. Maybe he just said, you know what, I love New Orleans. The point is, you don't know. So stop pretending like people get on Facebook, they're all knowing. Uh, Joe from Araby. He's got, he, he'll, he, Joe from Araby said that nobody wanted Jameis Winston. That had to be true. Joe from Araby said it. It's true. You're a moron. You have no idea. So, but that shocked me. I don't care. Somebody would have signed him. Here is the thing. Someone, you can think whatever you want, but if Jameis Winston said to any other team, well, I mean, a lot of teams have their backups already, but I guarantee you there are eight or ten other teams in the NFL that would have said, okay, Jameis, we'll take you as our backup quarterback. Now, he might not have gotten $8 million, But if you're Jameis Winston, why would you want to come back to the Saints who treated you like they treated you? Because, frankly, they treated him like crap. I mean, we don't, again, we don't know the inner going, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they didn't treat him like crap. Maybe he was, like, super hurt and we don't know. I don't think that's the case. Maybe it is. Who knows? Anyway, I was still shocked. If I, would, if I were Jameis Winston, look, um, I know in my line of business, I don't have it. I, I just can't tell people to piss off, although I've liked to probably a few times in my career. Um, you, you, you just say, thank you, may I have another? Because it's not like free agency. I'm not uprooting my family to move to, I don't know, Jackson, Mississippi, and work for $35,000 a year. It's a lot different than being Jameis Winston who would have to move his family, I don't know, to Tampa Bay or back to Tampa or Carolina or whatever and for $4 million a year or $6 million a year instead of $8 million a year. Ooh, that hurts. I mean, that's a big difference. So if I were making $4, 6 $8 million a year, you could tell a team to piss off, especially if you know you get another job. 
a lot harder to do in shoes like ours. I just found that it kind of floored me. Again, I think it's a great scenario for the Saints if they are able to get them, and they were. Perfect backup for this team. One of the top, you tell me three other better backups than Jameis Winston. And if you find three other ones that are better uh, or more than three, you're either a hater or you don't know what the hell you're talking about because there aren't that many. And then Jamal Williams. You know, we talked about the defensive tackles, and obviously those were needs. I say defensive tackles are a dime a dozen. Running backs are not a dime a dozen. They're hard to find, especially for the price that the Saints found Jamal Williams. Three years, $12 million. That, to me, that's incredible. You sign a running back who was the season leader in rushing touchdowns last year, 17 rushing touchdowns. I don't care if they were all one yard, which they weren't, but I don't care if they were all one yard. You're talking about a 1,000-yard rusher, a veteran running back who's still young enough to become his own man, I guess to, to say, I think he could be a really good running back, like a top-tier running back in this league. I think so. We'll find out because we all know that Alvin Kamara is not going to be playing anytime soon. Alvin Kamara is going to be gone for at least, I, I got to say, if he's gone for any fewer than eight games, I'd be shocked. The way the NFL is attacking these sorts of criminal incidents. Even if he gets off scot-free, which he won't, uh, from the, the suits that are against him, he's not going to get off scot-free from the NFL. You're looking at a minimum of eight games. Now, I said six last year because I think last year, had it just gone through, I think it would have been six. Now, I think the minimum is eight, and I really, frankly, think it's probably going to be more than that. So I think you're looking at a season where even if Alvin Kamara plays at all, it's going to be towards the latter part of the season a la Deshaun Watson. And how effective is he going to be come Thanksgiving or come the beginning of December without having practiced all season? Because you can't be a part of the team until I think Deshaun Watson was able to go practice like, I don't know, three weeks before he was going to start again. And then he was terrible. And Alvin Kamara's getting to that age, that running back age. He's in his late 20s now. Inching up on 30, and to me, says a lot. Says a lot. It'll be tough. So those are the things that surprised me when it came to the Saints free agency. And overall, if, you, if we went back in time and just even last week, and we were spent last week talking about Derek Carr and how great of a signing it was, and I know – you know, actually, more people agreed with me than I thought, uh, i got to say. When it came to our poll question and just talking to people, there are some um, yahoos out there, and you might be one of them. And I'm sorry, I don't mean it in a spiteful way if I call you a yahoo. I could call you a lot worse than that if you don't think the Derek Carr signing is a good one. If you think that what the Saints have had the past two years is as good or better than Derek Carr, you're a Yahoo. What in all that is holy could make you possibly think that? Well, Derek Carr only went um, 
31 and 40, whatever. You're comparing. I said it last week. I'm going to use the same comparison. And it just came out last week. But you know what? I may start using this. This may, may be my new trademark. You're comparing apples to elephant nuts. They don't, they don't equate. They're not the same thing. Jimmy Garoppolo has like some, I don't even know what it is, some great record. Like 40, I don't know. He's like, I'm making this up. So I don't know. But it's somewhere in the ballpark. I know I'm close. He's like 48 and, I don't know, 30 or something as a starting quarterback. So, but if you want to compare Derek Carr to Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr is a much better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think. And at worst, at absolute worst, Derek Carr and Jimmy G are what and what. At, at the worst. And if you think differently, you're worse than a Yahoo. You really ought to stop watching football. So at worst, they're, they're what and what. And they're rec- but yet their records are so far apart. You, know, you want to know why? Because Jimmy Garoppolo has played on good teams and Derek Carr has played on crappy teams. It's simple. It's not hard to figure out. Derek Carr has played on teams that have had awful defenses and awful offensive lines. So that, all that being said, where I was leading with this, and if you haven't noticed, I got ADHD, and I find myself on something else that quickly. But I can do that. It's my show. Where I was going with this is, after the long pause, that when you talk about free agency, what the Saints did with their salary cap, and you look after they signed Derek Carr, and you're like, okay, now they, they were already well over the cap anyway. And they signed Derek Carr to a team-friendly, they're going to be in the same boat, by the way, next year, and probably the year after, and as long as Mickey Loomis is here, they're probably going to be in this boat. But they find ways to make things, things work. How they made this work, I have no idea. Because you obviously had to get rid of Davenport and Shy Tuttle and whoever else, Caden Ellis, they weren't going to be able to afford to keep. But yet you brought in quality free agents. And in fact, in the running back position, I think they're, I mean, you're going to lose. I'm, I'm talking about if Kamara was, was going to be here. It's not the Saints' fault that Kamara is not going to be here in week one. But I think the Saints are in a better position running back-wise now with Jamal Williams, I mean, he's clearly an improvement over Mark Ingram and whoever else the team had. They're going to go draft another running back and probably get another one in free agency on the cheap that can be a third string or get one late in the draft. So there's still work to do there that they're going to do. But to be able to pick up two defensive tackles that, to me, are pretty equivalent to what they had. You could say Anyamata was is better than either one of the guys that – the Saints picked up, but I don't think so. I really don't. I don't think Anyamata is not necessarily better than Colin Saunders, for sure. Or Nathan Shepard, that wasn't a, he wasn't an every down player, per se. But I think that what the Saints have done is incredible, really. They need some depth now at linebacker, losing Caden Ellis. Ty Summers probably isn't going to cut the bill. He's like a, like a real reserve, like a reserve reserve. So they're going to work on that, and they got some other moves to make. But 
look, I think they've done magic. I really do. And uh, so that's what we're going to get into here with Doug Mouton. In fact, we're going to get into it now. And then in my closing, if you, if you don't like all this Irish nonsense, look, my last name is Derry, for God's sake. I'm going to play around with the Irish stuff. We're going to probably go out quickly, like maybe a five-minute close. But I'm just warning you, when I'm done with Doug, if you don't want to hear any more of this kind of talk, my laddie, you, you might just want to, like, cut it off after that's over. Here's Doug. Douglas, what is going on? 141. 141. That's impressive. Well, you know. I mean, we got Well, I mean, we're not like, you know, you guys have been on the air for, for years and years and years. We're, we're only 141 episodes in, so. Yeah, 141 episodes is impressive. Yeah, well, These episodes are all filled with stuff, and 141 is a lot. Congratulations on getting the Well, we, we also have a... We have something else that matches the 141. I had 141 incorrect picks on my bracket yesterday. Oh, wow. Wow. All right. That's easy to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course it is. Who's your national champion? Uh, well, they're still alive because they uh, – Alabama, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's what to be. We do like an in-house pool at Channel 4 where there's only like six of us in it. So you don't have – look, I like pools like that because you don't have to be great to win. Just have exactly. to be great. Yeah. And I like that. Look, I like Houston, uh, and we'll see. They're on the other side, so yeah, I know. I got yeah, Alabama yeah. playing Houston. Anyway. Yeah, I'm like everybody else. I didn't change anything. I'm pretty, pretty straightforward. Um, look, this morning we're going to have uh, we are welcoming in comments and questions from our peeps on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, if you're watching on live on Twitter, you're going to have to. Tweet at me at Jim Derry Jr. on Twitter, and I will uh, hopefully see it and put it on the air. But our friend Jerry is with us. He says, Happy Friday. He says, Happy St. Patrick's Day, Jerry. Thank you uh, from, for that. Uh, Robert, I hope we get some good Saints players from Robert. From Okay, well, I think we all hope the Saints get good players. We're going we're gonna to spend a lot of time talking about that this morning. Thelma's saying who that. Uh, Daryl is with us. Good morning. Well, good morning to all of you. We thank you for, for joining us. Again, we'll be taking comments and questions until about 10 a.m. Uh, before we get to the Saints, Doug, let's talk a little bit about March Madness. And obviously, CBS is, is again, and look, I'm not, I'm not, you know, trying to blow smoke. CBS does the best job at, at bringing this March Madness stuff to us. It's on four different networks, all uh, related to CBS. And, um, Talk about the, the how it changes your life and what it does oh, for you. We, we do some weird newscast things. You know, we just the five. There's a six, so we combine the five and the five thirty. If you don't expect to go on before eleven o'clock on at night, uh, but look, it's spectacular. I think. I think. Look, I remember it wasn't that long ago. Now they do obviously they do the four brackets on four different networks. Um, right. It was not that long ago. It was all on CBS, and you get one game. There was something almost magical about that, even though you couldn't see a lot of the other games because they did much more switching between games and you would sort of see bits of all of it. You wouldn't see a whole game at any point. And then obviously they realized there was a lot more money to be made if they could stretch it out on four network. I look, I think it's spectacular. Obviously I had it on all day yesterday. It's fun to watch. It's uh, even if you don't follow college basketball until March madness, it still has ridiculous, uh, you know, attention grabbing a, appeal just because of the emotion and the you know the do or die it's everything 
my son was doing um doing a little thing with he he brought this thing out and he, he thought it was gonna be cute and he says to his wife the other night he goes we're gonna do a bracket and they included his stepson in it so they're doing this bracket and he says whoever wins gets to watch the other two clean the house and so i gave i gave my daughter-in-law my my, my bracket and you know hopefully uh it's good enough to beat his and she can watch him you know yeah that's the magic toll with the jim Derry bracket yeah you know we'll see what happens uh princeton and Furman made things yeah. exciting yesterday i mean you know every year you're going to get those sorts of things and princeton and Furman, were you surprised that that's you know kind of how yesterday went and do you think today yeah. be the same kind of thing yeah i mean of course surprised and of course not surprised because it's going to happen somewhere look i had I had uh, uh, UL Lafayette winning yesterday um, over Tennessee. That was one of my misses. But it, yeah, I, I mean, you pick those upsets because they happen. And, you know, and when they happen, it's magical. And when you pick one and it doesn't happen, you feel like an idiot. Yeah, well, I was talking smack with Spencer Urquhart uh, yesterday. I had Texas as one of our best bets, minus 11. Uh, Tennessee, I'm sorry. And so uh, it looked it looked golden. <laughs> It looked golden the entire time, and then the Cajuns come out of nowhere, and then I almost win the damn thing. Yeah, I know, right, right, right. Yeah. All right, let's let's talk a little little Saints here. Uh, my bracket is already on fire somewhere. I think I can still smell it in the corner of the office over here. But um, let's talk Saints. It's been an interesting week, uh, and I was coming on. I told you I would be on in a minute. I started typing up all the things that have gone on this week that are related to the Saints, and looked up, and I'm like. Oh damn it! We got to go in the air. I mean, I you know I didn't realize how how many things I was going to be typing in here. But it started Monday with re-signing Jamin, James Winston to a one-year deal, um, and then it ended Wednesday signing running back Jamal Williams to a three-year deal. Doug, of all the things that have happened, we're going to go through talk, talk about a lot of them. But what surprised you the most about what happened throughout this week when it when it's related to the Saints? Yeah, okay, two things. One, I, I think maybe the most surprising thing has to be Jameis, just because of how it played out. I would have thought, and I and I don't know this. Look, we're in that locker room, and we're in that building a decent amount, but it's hard to know some of the inner workings. I would have thought maybe there were more bad feelings, especially from Jameis. So he thought it was his job. He didn't get a chance even when he got healthy again. I would have thought he might have carried more animosity and would have not wanted to – sign with the Saints. So that part certainly was surprising that it that it came back that way. And look, it might have meant that Jameis, and look, Jameis's agent, I'm sure, called all 31 other teams. It might mean that was his best, the best he was going to do. And sometimes, whether you're happy or not, you take the best you can do. So I don't exactly know how that played out, but that was the most surprising. But I tell you, Jim, the one that stands out to me is that what we, the, the, the most glaring things we knew the Saints were going to need to work on which is going to be rebuilding that defensive line, and they got to get running back help. Um, it, with that, beyond Alvin Kamara, they had very little, and they went out and partially rebuilt the defensive line and got running back help, which strikes me in the era of Sean Payton, it has often been extremely difficult to predict what the Saints would do or what they needed to do. And in this singular case, they seem to do what we thought they needed to do. Does that make sense? Like it was surprising in the fact that they did almost what we expected to a certain extent. It makes sense. And, but to be honest, how did they pull, pull it off? It, to me, it seems like 
almost salary cap magic. You know, we put that in here in the lower third, but you know, I don't know how they pulled it off to be honest. Cause if you looked at where they were and how many, how far they were to even get to zero. Yeah. And then they signed Derek Carr. And once they signed Derek Carr, you're like, okay, now they're even further away from zero. So they get back to, not only does Mickey Loomis and company get back to zero, but they get things that they need. You know, they lose Shy Tuttle. They lose Marcus Davenport. They lose Kate Nellis. And yet they're able to bring in two defensive tackles. And, you know, they bring in, they re-sign Ty Summers to a one-year deal. I kind of helped fill the void from Ellis. But, you know, they... To me, they're basically almost as in good a shape as they were outside of quarterback because I think they're in way better shape quarterback-wise. But outside of quarterback, they're almost in as good a shape as they were before they got into this cap mess. Yeah, and look, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I think if you took the four defensive tackles, the two that left and the two that came in, I think David Onyemata, and certainly based on the contract size, you will tell you this, David Onyemata is the most talented of those four. You hope that Colin Saunders is the guy on the way up who can get to that level. So you might have taken a little bit of a hit on the two defensive tackles. You certainly got better um, in your running back room. You got yeah. a whole lot better. And look, Cade Nellis showed at the end of last year that he has some real ability. Uh, I, personally, I don't think you would have in any way played him ahead of Pete Werner. I think he would have gone back to being your number three guy. But that room, as a room, you lost a backup because basically you play two linebackers most of the time. You lost your third linebacker who had a chance, who was really an ascending player, who had played well and, and could do some things. So that's the room that got a little worse. Um, the running back room got significantly better. I would agree with what you're saying overall. And quarterback, which is the most important room, got grossly better. So, yeah, you have helped yourself so far. Still got a bunch of work to do. Well, there's no question I got a lot of work to do, but I think, Doug, now they can go into the in the draft. And Jeff Duncan always likes to talk about how the Saints are, we pick whatever the best player is available. Now, I don't know if I 100% believe that. If the best player available on their board is a safety, I don't think they're going to take a safety or a cornerback or something like that, um, or certainly not a quarterback now, I, don't, I wouldn't think. Um, but... Uh, it does give them a lot more flexibility, in my opinion. They don't have to go into the draft saying, okay, we've got to take a running back or we've got to take uh, a defensive tackle or whatever. It, it, it's, it's much easier for them now, and now they can kind of stick to their guns a little bit. Yeah, I think the one thing you're going to have to get, and look, they may still have some more money to play with, not any more big money contracts for sure. But they may be able to bring in another piece or two. I do think there still needs to be more – uh, on the defensive line done. Um, look, losing Marcus Davenport, I yeah, get it. Sure. I, 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 honestly, for me, maybe the most talented player that I've seen in the last decade that never realized that talent. He, he, I, if he could have ever put it together in black and gold, he has all pro level talent. And he, I mean, he would on a play here or there, or even a game here or there, he would play at that level, but it was so rare. Um, and, and to me, he's the one great loss. I see everything the Saints loved about him when they traded two first-round picks for the one first-round pick to get him. I absolutely see the talent that they saw to go do that. He is just the one that was never able to realize that talent. And I understand you know, sort of cutting the cord. And I think the fact that it, 
as valuable as the defensive end position is, and it's incredibly valuable across the NFL, those guys are so rare who can do that. And that's why they get such enormous contracts with all that talent. And all that talent that everyone can see is so obvious. Got a one-year contract. That'll, I mean, that obviously backs up everything that you saw, too. It's like crazy talented, but for some reason never able to get it all together. Um, you're certainly going to need at least rotational players to, to fill those spots, and, and you're going to have to get Peyton Turner to, to do a whole lot more for you. But for $13 million, I mean, is Marcus Davenport really worth $13 million? Well, it's one year. It's one year. So it's I, a one I get year. it. Yeah. Yeah, they have the talent. The ta- I get it. <laughs> look, if you're doing talent evaluations, I mean, look, we talk about this in, in our stupid fantasy baseball league. Like, you always bet on upside. You always yeah. bet on the – look, I, I go back to this, and this is one of my great sports lines of all time. And I think I've said this to you on this show before. A guy named Eric Musselman is now the coach at Arkansas. Our first TV job was in Rapid City, South Dakota. They had a CBA team, which was the minor leagues of the NBA, and it was a spectacular league at that point. And Eric put together this ridiculous team. They were on this crazy roll. And at one point, he traded five players for one. And I said, I said, Eric, how can you trade five players for one? These were like five guys who were like good players. And he, he said, without missing a beat, he said, yeah, Doug, those were five good players. And for our league, I traded for one great player. You win championships with great players. And I will trade five good players for one great player every day. And that's like... Does that like, translate into that. real sports? What's that? Does that translate into real sports? I, I really do think it does. Well, I, I, I mean, look, if you want to win a championship, you get great players. And Marcus Davenport, I would not call him a great player by any stretch, but I would say he has great ability. And, the, and, and if you watch him, you see it unbelievably strong and quick. Um, it just should be better. I'm not saying he is, but I'm saying I understand how an NFL team looks at that and says, oh, my God, we got to get some of that. And, and if we do, and, but that's why he gets the track record is why he gets the one year. The, the upside is why he gets the 13 million. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, I hear you. But um, I mean, if I'm the Saints and I understand where the Saints are coming from, you can get 13 million. God bless you. I mean, there's a reason why the Vikings. They're so desperate on defense. They're signing Marcus Davenport for $13 million. I mean, that's how bad they were on defense last year. They've got a lot of work to do. Um, And you saw it. They they won the division. And to me, they're probably going to go into next season as a division favorite. I mean, it's a lot more balanced now, though. I mean, Detroit is going to be a lot better. I mean, it's it's possible that Detroit could go into next season as the division favorite. It's, it's, It's not out of the question. They... There's still some work to be done, but, you know, Green Bay's going to be Jordan Love time now. Chicago's getting better. I mean, who, who knows? That's an interesting division. Um, as far as the Saints go, Barry asked, is there any linebacker activity? And, you know, you talked about that there's still work to be done besides all the magic that they've done salary cap-wise. So, really, outside of Werner and Demario Davis, and now they re-sign Ty Summers to a one-year deal who's just a backup veteran, um, really, no. I mean, that's one of the places now that the Saints are going to need to look to, to, to make a move, I would think. Yeah, no question. And look, there's a lot of depth moves you're going to need. Look, I still think they need help in the wide receiver room. I still think, honestly, they're going to need another running back. I, just me personally. Oh, for sure. This is obviously a guess. I think Alvin Kamara is going to get 
an eight-game suspension and potentially NFL in theory is cracking down harder on this kind of thing. They have a new system for this. I I have no – it's a 100% guess, but I think he could be out eight or ten games would not surprise me a bit. And and you have Jamal Williams. I think they need a rookie running back. So there's a lot – and I absolutely think they're going to need help in the linebacker room – as a, look, you're going to play most of the time with two, and you hope it's going to be Mario Davis and Pete Werner. I think that is a great duo, but obviously keeping that duo healthy for the whole season, you can't go in with two. So I think they're going to need help there. Look, you can always get cornerback help. They certainly are going to need more offensive line depth. I, I think they need another wide receiver. Like They still need a lot of pieces oh, and sure. only so many draft picks to get. Well, and I find it interesting because that we – I, I've said on, on our shows throughout the week, and I believe this wholeheartedly, that I think that the Saints still need to go in the draft, even though they have more flexibility. I think they need to go into the draft with the mindset that in the first three rounds, and it wouldn't upset me at all if it happened with the first pick. With the first, one of the first three rounds, they need to pick another running back and one yeah. of the top-notch running backs. I agree. I mean, could you see a Tajay Spears here? I don't know if he's going to last the third round anymore, and I don't know if you go reaching for him, but they're – there are a ton, unlike last year, and really to me the last couple of years, there are a ton of, of good running backs in this draft. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and I love A-Chain at Texas A&M if you watch the LSU game. Yeah. I was actually walking my dog a half hour, and me and a neighbor were talking about Tajay Spears. And, and I asked him, and, and he's a very knowledgeable football guy, I said, what round do you think he goes here? He said, late second, early third. Very few running backs go in the first two rounds. And I think Tajay Spears is talented enough where he might. I actually made a bet. Yeah, he's moving on. I think he goes in the second round. Now, granted, that is that that that's a that's a gambling bet. I didn't bet much money on that, but I think he's that good that he can. Third is more likely. I don't think he lasts to the Saints at seventy-five, but I don't know if the Saints get him at forty. If that becomes too much of a reach, I don't know. Um, Running that four-five-seven yesterday didn't help him. Like well. Actually, we had it like I, there must be some dispute on what he ran because what we had was a four four seven. Okay, maybe I maybe I misunderstood. Under four five. Okay, maybe I misunderstood. And I, actually, I went to Willie Fritz before the Senior Bowl because both he and uh, Darian Williams were going to the Senior Bowl, and I said, I said, do you think they will run a good time? And he thought both of them would. And Dorian Williams was one of the best times yeah. at a line senior bowl. Yeah. Uh, didn't run it there. He ran it at Tulane. And I think he ran well enough to help himself. He's obviously a great receiver. He has a, that crazy uh, ability to make people miss in space, um, which I don't even know how you quantify, but he just does it. He does. Um, I love him as a player. And I, I love him as a, as the character side of it. I mean, I don't know if the Saints you know, if the Saints were picking, I would say, let's say, somewhere around 55 to 65. That seems to be more of a range where Tajay is more, you know, go get him there. I don't know about 40. Um, but yeah, too early. Yeah, I would love to see him in black and gold. But I will say, without question, whether it's him or not, the Saints definitely need more running back help because it was a weakness, and you have to count on not having Alvin Kamara for a significant chunk of next season. Well, one reason why I really like Tajay for the Saints, if it could happen, and, you know, you and I have both been covering him for a long time. I mean, I see, I've see i seen you out at the swamp covering Ponchula games just like I have. Um, so one reason why I really like him is I think he could be a lot like Alvin Kamara in the NFL. I think he runs a very similar style, 
not exactly the same. He might not quite be as fast, uh, maybe not quite as shifty, but I, I think he's real close. And if look, got Kamara in the third round. If you could get a Tajay Spears in the third round, I could be think it'd be a similar thing, and they could just kind of pick up. But I'm with you. I think I think Kamara's lucky if he only gets eight games next year, Doug. And I think there's a chance he could it could be like a Deshaun Watson kind of punishment. He could be going 10, 12 games potentially a season. And at his age, that's not doing a running back any favors. Yeah, and, and I, I would agree with you. I, I don't know, um, but I think it's, I do think it's going to be a while. Um, and, and look, I, I would love to see the Saints run up with Tajay, but I definitely think they need to line up with the running back no matter what. And clearly, yeah. look, it's, it's the thing that I said at the beginning. Clearly, the Saints recognize this. They went and got Jamal Williams, and I know we're going to get to him in a minute. Maybe the single best factor about Jamal Williams is – he is considered one of the great locker room guys in the NFL. And, and, and I think this team has tried to build on those guys. And, and I do like the signing of Jamal Williams, but I don't think he solves your whole problem. Yeah, well, he does a way he has fun playing football. That, that's yeah, for sure. I mean, who doesn't love that? He's one of the great fan favorites in Detroit. Uh, and they made a decision before the Saints signed him to go after David Montgomery instead and not him. And then, it was weird to me. Well, David Montgomery is one of those guys that has always been like, like in the metrics, in the, in the like broken tackles. He has always been one of the great broken tackles people. He's always been one of those guys that everyone from the, from the analytics side keeps waiting for the monster breakout, like the guy with this enormous talent that is about to do it. And obviously Detroit wanted to bet on that as opposed to Jamal Williams, who cut oh. a whole lot of one-yard touchdowns. And a whole yeah, but you know what, though, Doug, with Jamal like Williams? We're going to get back to Jamal Williams because I want to talk about something else real quick, I, but I do want to talk about Jamal Williams. I, I think it's not – I think he hasn't really had a fair shot, to be honest. I mean, every time he was in there for DeAndre Swift, he was doing just fine. And then Swift yeah. comes back and, and does what Swift does, and you don't see him as much, but – I'm interested to see him because I think he's going to get a real chance to be a feature back in yeah. New Orleans. And so we'll, we'll see. Again, we're going to get back to him. There's a question oh, yeah, that's been sitting in the queue for about five minutes, and I want to bring it up. It's kind of off the topic of what we've been talking about, but I want to get your take on it. It's interesting. Charles says, part of the chatter on the Raiders' digit car was that he didn't fit their, quote, culture. What does that mean? He slurped his soup. He didn't slurp his soup enough. He seems by most accounts to have been a good teammate. I'm completely with this uh, comment, I don't get it either. I, we haven't even talked about Derek Carr, and, uh, you know, it, we spent a lot of time, obviously, talking about him last week. But to me, Derek Carr is, is the epitome of what the Saints want in a player. There's a specific type when you talk about New Orleans. You have to fit this character mold to be, to be a Saint, Doug. I mean, it's not like the rest of the NFL. I hate to say I know people don't want to hear that, but... Explain what you like. They have to fit. Like, what is that character mold? There is a certain kind of mold. You can just, I don't know if you have noticed this through the years or feel it, but when, you know, and it's its kind of a feel thing. But it, you have to, A, you have to have really good character to play here. They're, they're not going to sign you, and this goes back, this is mostly, this was a Peyton thing more than as much as anyone. But to me, there's a feel, and you could tell if a person feels like he could be a saint or not. And Derek Hard just checks the boxes to me. And I think he's going to fit in well for a number of reasons. And he's already fit, you know, he brings in the family and you're seeing all these pictures of comparing him to Breeze and Breeze's family and blah, blah, blah. 
I just think that he he fits in well, as with a lot of the other players that they brought in this offseason. So I don't understand either why he didn't fit in in Vegas. Was it just time for a change after nine years? Drew Brees didn't need a change in New Orleans. I'm not saying Derek Carr is Drew Brees, but if you got a guy that's as good as Derek Carr is, why do you need to make a change in, in Las Vegas? Yeah, well, I, you brought up about seven points. <laughs> you yeah, exactly. That's what I do. You're just answering this. You might hear I'm ADHD, that. Doug. I'm ADHD. Okay. First of all, I actually I didn't read a lot about the not fitting in the culture, but I did read someplace about something similar to what the question asked, and I was confused by that. The fact is, I don't know what that means, and, and I will get to know Derek Carr. And let me call a timeout. I have this stupid thing where I every six no every third time I say Derek Carr I call him David Carr I do it sometimes brother was the first pick in the draft who was before him to the point that our sports photographer Adam Nay has put Derek Carr on little pieces of paper <laughs> up all over the sports office uh, you know I, I'm, I'm interviewing Nick Underhill our Saints analyst and at one point I asked him a question about Derek Carr and he went Doug, you just said David Carr. And I said, all right, take two on that question. And, and as long as Mike Haas and Deuce don't do it, it's, it's, it's fine. So if I say David Carr in here, just call me an idiot and know that I mean Derek Carr. Okay, that's point one. I'm right, saving all know. my idiots for draft day. Okay. Yeah, I, and, and I, can't, I can't stop saying David Carr. I know it's Derek Carr. And when, I know you go to, when you go to sleep, when you go to sleep at night, you just that's what you should do as you're laying in bed instead of saying your prayer to say over and over again, Derek Carr, Derek Carr. <laughs> Look, Derek last Carr. night, last night I went to go get, you know, I keep Tums in my, uh, in my desk. I keep Tums everywhere because I eat a lot of Tums. And I don't know if you can see this. Let's see. Adam, this one, that's a piece of paper over my Tums. Oh, it's, it's yeah, your Derek it's Carr. Your car. So when I went for my Tums, it says Derek Carr over the Tums. Anyway. So it's, you can't mess I, it up now. I can't mess it up. I can see it. And it's on the outside of my desk drawer, and it's hanging from a, like a, the rafter part of sports. So anyway. Well, so I, see, I mean, we, I guess we really didn't answer the question, but sorry. Barry puts, says his only knock on cars, his first meal in New Orleans was Chipotle. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you said Juan Johnson made a joke about that yesterday. So we got, we got to talk to this guy. and I get, mean, get his what's right. up with that? Let me, let me, oh, do you want to talk about Derek Carr right yeah, now? Yeah, sure. Look, let me tell you the one thing, because when this was first, not it hadn't even happened yet, but it was sort of brilliant. I, I, I watched a mother load of Derek Carr footage from everywhere I could find it, the good and the bad. And, and there is bad. And, and look, when you say, well, how do you let a guy go after, after nine productive seasons? Look, they haven't been successful in the playoffs. And that's what people want. That's what fans want. And nobody should ever blame them. That, you want your team to achieve excellence, and they haven't. So I get how this happens. But the one thing that struck me more than anything, and there's a, a lot of goods and bads. The one thing that struck me is I, until I really deep dove into watching him, I didn't realize how really, really good his just arm talent was. That is the one thing that st- is how easily he releases the ball with, with velocity um, how easily he flicks the ball on long passes, how accurate he often is on long passes. The, my first most fundamental takeaway is that 
on a team with Chris Olave, who can get downfield, and Rashid Chihid, who could turn out to be a great undrafted uh, free agent. These guys can get downfield, and you have got a guy who can effortlessly, and he does it even when his body's not right. He doesn't have to be planted and perfect. He can sometimes be almost on the run or on the move and still flick it a long way with accuracy. And I think that's where you start. And look, if you can put together any kind of running game, which the Saints have been able to do the last few years, if you can run the ball and throw deep, that is a great start to an offense. And this is a quarterback with, I think, great ability. He does have knocks. He does have flaws. But his ability, his just pure arm talent to make every throw, to make them effortlessly, and that doesn't just include long passes. That includes, you know, a three-yard hook in the end zone. He can deliver it at, I don't, I know baseball uh, miles per hour. I don't know football, but he delivers it at the what looks like an Araldus Chapman fastball in his heyday into the end zone. He can deliver it a lot of ways, and the arm talent is actually better than I realized it was until I started watching. That's my and first I, big one. And I think that's going to be, you know, for people that haven't, you really haven't seen that in New Orleans over the last few years. I mean, even Drew Brees the last couple of years, obviously, he obviously. wasn't throwing with the arm strength. But, uh, you know, people, I think, put a little too much into records. Um, you talk about where Derek Carr is coming from record-wise, and people forget he played with a defense for nine seasons that was just plain god-awful. Um, his offensive lines for nine seasons were – last year was bad. There have been times when it's been really bad. So he's had four different coaches. I think coming here is going to be a, uh, a big change for him, and I think it could be a big help. And I agree with everything you said about his arm strength. You know, things that you haven't seen for a while here in New Orleans, you're going to see now with number four. Um, Sean asks, can you see the Saints drafting Hendon Hooker? I, I don't. Um, I, I mean, obviously, anything can happen. And I say I don't because I don't think the Jordan Love situation is really the ideal situation. Look, if you get a guy in the second round, which is presumably where you get him, you got him for four years. And, and then he's a free agent. There's a four-year contract on him. And you want to be playing Derek Carr for four years. Um, look, if you're drafting a guy to be your backup, okay, sure. But I'm not sure I want to take a second-round pick right now on a backup quarterback when I have so many holes on the team. And a guy that, in theory, by the time Derek Carr's contract's done, his contract's up here. So you'd have to yeah. bid on your own guy. Um, I do think, obviously, you're going to need a quarterback in the future. I don't think you don't get him. You don't, whoever that guy is, I think when you decide on Derek Carr, you're saying we're not going to get our quarterback of the future now. I think in two years you're certainly good, or certainly in three years you certainly could. But I, I, don't, I don't see a scenario where you do that, largely because I think the Saints need a lot of help. I don't think they need a lot of frontline help, but they certainly need a lot of depth help. And I think they need to use their second and third round picks to get all those other positions taken care of. I don't think so. Although, look, I love Hendon Hooker. And before Derek Carr, if they had, if they had, I don't know, signed some lesser free agent quarterback and then going out and got Hendon Hooker, I would have been all in on that. I, I really do think he's going to be a, a really good player. And I don't think the age is a knock. I mean, 
in this day and age, you can play quarterback into your mid-30s for sure. Does it really matter if he's 22 or 25? I, I almost like the maturity. I like Hendon Hooker a lot, but I don't think he's in the Saints' plans. Do you agree or not? I agree with your part that they're not going to go out and get Hendon Hooker. Um, but I don't You're think they would have got him. No, I'm not. It, it, to me, I need more than his short sample size has shown me. Um, and the fact that not just his age, but the fact of his age and this ACL injury is a huge deal. So you're taking another year off of his, I, I mean, you're taking another year off of his books, I guess is, is the way you're looking at it. So then you're talking about a 27 or 28 year old rookie by the time he actually gets in and plays. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not a fan of, of, you know, it's unfortunate because before the injury, I said, this kid's going to be a stud in the NFL. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my opinion—that's where I was wondering. My opinion is based on just what I saw of what he can do and what the upside is. Betting on betting on upside again. But you're right, and, and all of your points are legit. But either way, even if the Saints do love him, I don't think now is the time to go get that. Yeah. You, in theory, you just invested all of your money in Derek Carr. In theory. You can't in more invest in that position because you're in, you'd be investing in your bench. And right now, this team needs too much help. And you have a chance to win this division now. You need guys who can get on the field to help you win the division. Well, I mean, if you go back, and, and this is just reality, if you this franchise, when's the last time this franchise drafted a quarterback that made any significant contributions to this team? I can tell you. You don't have to go back and look. It was 1971. Yeah. Archie Manning. It really is. He's the only one. He's the only quarterback ever that the Saints drafted that really made a significant contribution to this team. Um, there, is, there are no others. The Saints are just a franchise that goes out and gets their quarterback in free agency. It's just the way that they've always worked. So uh, whether it's good or bad or, or whatever, it just well, is. Well, certainly worked for a long time, <laughs> from, from 2006 until, what, 2019, it's yeah, when you have to go 15 years without having to worry about one, that, that makes a huge difference. Yeah. And so, yeah, really and, and, and just think, if Drew, if, yeah, if, Drew had, if Drew had left, you know, the year before, they would have got Tom Brady probably. Yeah. So, I mean, then you're still, it's the same thing. So, yeah. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just how this franchise operates. It's, yeah, but it, but when, you, when you go get Derek Carr, I think you're saying we're, we're passing on quarterbacks for the next two years minimum. Two? Yeah, I think it's more than that. I said, I said minimum. Because he's four, so in in theory, if two year after two years of Derek Carr, if you wanted to get somebody and leave him on the bench for two years to learn and all that, I, I could live with that. I could see it in two years. I can't see it before that. Here's what I'm going to tell people who don't like the Derek Carr signing: um, you probably need to get over yourselves. And here's the reason why, more than anything, just because they signed a four year deal, I think he's going to be here for six to eight years. I mean. Uh, this is not, in my opinion, it's not the first contract he's going to sign with the Saints. Uh, this is the kind of, I mean, you, you don't let, the, if, if he does anything near what I think he's going to do, I um, mean, what you're talking about he can do, they're not going to let him go in four years. You don't let quarterbacks go, which is why I think it's weird for the Raiders. I mean, I get sometimes you want to move on, but it yeah. wasn't his fault that your defense sucks or, or that your O-line sucks. I, that's not his fault. But whatever. I, I do understand in sports, sometimes there is a need to flush and restart. I, I do also get that. Um, but, but look, I will say this for the Saints, and this, this will be, we'll move on after this. No matter how you look at this, um, 
it is a significant upgrade in starting quarterback at the most important position on the football field. You got a significant upgrade, almost regardless of what else happens in the agency. It's you're, you're looking better at the start of this season than you were at the start of last season because you've got a significant upgrade at the most important position. How long have you been at WWL, Doug? At, well, I've had this job for... No, for, no not, uh, not this particular job. How long have you been at WWL? 17 years. 17 years, okay. Yeah. I've, between the, the hirings and the firings, I've been at the time speaking for 32 years. Between us, that is a half century. You don't always just chuck and duck. I mean, if guys like us can hang on some kind of way, then guys like Derek Carr ought to be able to hang on. So I just think the Raiders are morons. That's just my opinion. No, no, no. I, I'm not going to argue with that. I'm just saying sometimes a reboot is needed. And, like, sometimes it's a reboot is needed. And okay. I, I totally get what you're saying. Fair the Raiders enough. are going to be worse off at quarterback. I get that. But I'm just saying if you can get a half a century out of Darian Mouton, then <laughs> – then that that's kind of saying something, and I get you know it's it's it's, it's kind of sad in a way. I mean, we yeah, like a not cockroach. They keep, they keep, yeah. yeah, they keep stomping on me, and then they keep bringing me back. Like he's not dead yet. Yeah, right. Like, no, that's funny. All right, Sean wants to know: Should the Saints address interior O line early in the draft? Draft? Yes, yes, and yes is my opinion. Yeah, it, but I mean, look, the question becomes the the the, the key word in there is early. Um, I assume that would mean. One of those first two picks, 29 or 40. I mean, look, it's, I, we still need to see how the rest of free agency fills out. I do still think the Saints, look, it's not going to be, it's going to be less, con, smaller contracts, I think, than any of the ones they've signed so far. But yeah. I do think they're still going to have room to do a thing or two more in free agency. Let's see how that plays out. Look, they, they still need help on the defensive line, and that's enormously important. And yeah, the interior O line is certainly. Among the in the first grouping of what you need, and if they if they did use twenty nine or am I saying that right? Is it twenty nine and forty? Yeah, yeah. 29 if they use twenty nine or forty on an interior offensive lineman. I'll be surprised to zero extent. So yeah. yes, I, I, do, do I don't know if early. I don't know if that's what, what you do at seventy five. I don't know if they get a, if they can sign a guy in free agency that they like, but I do think. That's another area that needs depth help, which is why another reason why I say get a quarterback now. You got to ride Derek Carr because you need all these picks. Sure, for sure. For all these other spots. And yes, that's absolutely a spot. And I'm sorry, I don't see your cue, so I can't address that person by name. That's a a perfect question from someone who's obviously watched the Saints and and gets that. Yes, no doubt. The most unsexy pick you can ever make, but yes, it's needed. He probably watches WWL as well. I'm just guessing. Doug Mouton of WWL TV, sports director here on Datitude on this Friday morning. We got about another, I don't know, we got about another five minutes or so of Saints. We're going we're gonna to talk briefly about the Pels and probably going to finish it with talking about how bad Doug's baseball team, fantasy baseball team is going to be. That's all coming up here in the next 15 minutes. So, yeah, I'm calling him out. I'm calling him out right here on Datitude. Hard out time. No, we don't have a hard out. Oh, okay, okay. Well, look, one thing I know how to do is I know how to shut up on time. So oh, yeah. 
If sure. we had a hard out time, I would have already pivoted to make sure because we got to make sure that I get in my my, my parting shots before we. Look, go. the one thing I can do is hit time cues. I can't do a lot of things well, but nobody says I'm not hitting time cues. That's that's, <laughs> that's one of my up and in on the time cues. Everything else might be a little, you know, but up and in on the time cues. The good thing about podcast is there rarely is a hard. Hard out. So yeah, but this is that weird live one. So I didn't know if that had new rules. Yeah. No, no, no. We yeah, use the same okay. rules. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta I'm get my. It's probably the last time that that we're we're together live before uh, we have our, our draft together. All right, look. Oh, before yeah, okay. we, we end the Saints comments, uh, two things I want to ask you: uh, what you think of? You know, we were talking about the offensive line. One thing I think that Saints fans have brought up to me, at least. And I think it's a really good question. Are they going to go into the season counting on Trevor Penning to be the left tackle, the, considering the small sample size you saw him play there last year and the fact that he was, like, really raw when he did get in there, made a bunch of goofs? I think the answer is yes. Um, I think everything I've heard is they saw enough to believe that he can be the guy. So – and look, you made the investment that he has to be the guy. I think that's a great question, but I think the answer is yes. I think they are counting on Trevor Penning as being their guy, and and we'll see. He clearly, you're 100% right, we'll have to take a step forward. Um, but I think they're going into the season to answer the question, yes. Well, I think that they are going to probably have to. Um, yeah. You invest the first-round pick in somebody like that, I think – you're kind of stuck whether you, you better be right. You throw him to the wolves. Exactly. You better be right. So you got to protect Derek Carr's blind side. We'll see if that happens. All right. I want to go back to Jamal Williams before we shift gears and talk about the Pelicans. And uh, so you talked about, you know, he's never really been the quote, a featured back. He's always kind of been, you know, he's with Aaron Jones uh, before DeAndre Swift, even though to me, I think they're kind of what and what. And then David Montgomery comes in and takes his place. Do you think that, I mean, he, I think he's going to get a legit chance now to be a feature back here in New Orleans. Yeah, look, I, and I, I'll know this more when we see him every day, like in training camp and, and certainly for preseason. I don't think he's Alvin Kamara. I don't think he's at that Oh, level. no, no. He's yeah. not that kind of back anyway. So, no, 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 no. So I, I, and I only say that because you said feature back. Like, I don't more think like in Ingram. Scenario, does he play in front of Alvin Kamara? So okay. Alvin Kamara, he's Alvin Kamara's number two. I think but that, you have to write, I mean, you have to go to me as at least as of now, if you're the Saints and you don't know what's going to happen, in your mind, you have to be prepared that there is no Alvin Kamara this year. I get it. I get it. I just, I just wanted to clear that up. I wanted to make sure you yeah, weren't yeah. saying you think he's better than no, Alvin. No, 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 no. I, I don't mean that at all. When yeah. you said you think he could be a feature back. Yeah, yeah look, I mean, yes, 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 absolutely. And that, I think that's why you got to go draft a running back. And look. I think running back is under – look, running back used to be the most important position in the yeah. draft. All these guys go in the top five that had no business going in the top five. Then I think it became the most under undervalued position in the NFL to a fault. I think a great running back can make a humongous difference. And I, and I think there are too few running backs now in the first two rounds of the draft because a running back can change things. And I absolutely think you need somebody – you need to look at the season – Hope you can get Kamara for as much as you can and go into the season with Jamal Williams and a rookie that 
personally, I would love them to spend one of their first three picks, either 29, 40, or 75, on a running back and have Jamal Williams and that guy. And there's a bunch of guys in this year's draft, if you look at running backs, that, that including Tajay Spears, um, and A-Chain at, at Texas A&M, who I love. There's a bunch of guys that can help you. I think you need two guys, with Jamal Williams as your lead dog, and then hope you have the lead lead dog in Kamara for as much as possible. And then you've got a room that can make a difference. Look, I mean, it's about playmakers. It's about weapons. And running back it is, a, is a place where a weapon can make an enormous difference. And, yes, I, I think Jamal Williams becomes your number two and your number one when Kamara's out, and you need a guy to go with him because I don't think it's on the roster now. The Saints have had a lot of luck with that guy. I mean, I like when you say that. I mean, we don't know who that guy is, but whoever that guy is better be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, well, yes, go get that guy. All right, well, that's who I'm going to get in our baseball draft. I'm going to go out and get that guy. Well, I'm trying to remember what happened last year. Oh, well, you, you like to think of the recent past. What happened the two years before that, you know? We're, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Um, look. Fair, I thought in boxing, the guy who won the most recent fight was the champion. That's what I thought. Am I wrong? Isn't oh, that no, the no, no. You're, you're absolutely right, but it's kind of like... Super Bowl champions again? It's kind of like Rocky and Rocky Three. Remember when... when when uh, he had to be explained, when Mickey had to explain to him that he was fighting a bunch of has-beens, you know, right. he was a paper champion, and like, okay, oh, it was one of those things. I think that's kind of like where you are, Doug. You want to be a paper champion? Well, you know, I was kind of in a rebuilding year, and the rest of the chumps that we play with, I mean, that, that's like uh, <laughs> free money. So, I mean, you know, you can't get too fired up about that. You know, I'm going to be retooled and ready this year. Can't get too fired up about a wire to wire. No, I mean you, 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 you beat my triplet. Jumps and you, right? I, okay, no, that makes sense. You know, All you right, beating up on triplet and Pearlstein while I retool. Yeah, beating up on triplet. Let's get let's get back to something. Exactly. Something with some substance to it. Nope. Nobody, nobody cares about the three mics, triplet, Pearlstein, and Pranch. Okay, let's talk about uh, the the Pelicans. Uh, and I asked the question right there. I got the four leaf clover right next to it. Trying to bring the Pelicans some luck, Doug. Is the season all but over? 33 and 36 now. This team is just like kind of going in the tank just when you think they're gonna they're playing a little bit better. Here come the Los Angeles Lakers who take a 40-point lead and then yeah. go lose to Houston the next night. Yeah. To me, if you look at this schedule, this is a crucial point. Yeah. I'm not saying they gotta win four in a row, but if you look at this schedule, they gotta win three or four at the bare minimum. Yeah, look, I, I said that on TV the other day, and I put up I, I, my graphic looked different, but I put up the four games. And, yeah, if you don't win three of the four, these, these are three of the bottom four records in the, in the NBA, I believe. Three of the worst four. It's your next four games against the bottom. Yeah. And I don't care who, that you're missing Zion. If, if you want to have any hope to move on, it's the next four. And I think you need to win all four. Winning three, maybe, if they win less than three, then I'm I'm jumping in on that. I don't think the season is over, but I think the next four games will tell a lot. I mean, they'll tell a lot. I am still holding out hope. I don't know if it's possible. I and it's probably stupid hope. And we had this argument in the sports office. I hope we get to see Zion by the last week of the season, and maybe something can change. Um, I was told that's a stupid hope in the WWL sports office. Oh, that wasn't very nice. 
That's the hope. But but even without that hope, this this team right now, even without Zion, should be good enough to win all four of those, especially with what's on the line. If they can win all four, so as of today, is the season over? Absolutely not. Let's talk again after these four games. Well, I mean, part of my th- talking about this during the week is, yeah, I think they still they're still in good shape to get a playing game. But how much is that going to matter if they can't get their crap right. together? If, yeah, mean, and if you get to ten, where you have to win twice, yeah, exactly on the road, both times on the road. Um, to get there. A quick question. Do you like the play-in? Do you like the four teams in the play-in? No, like I think there's way too many teams in the playoffs. I think it's absurd. Okay. Well, it's the eight. they don't call it the playoffs until you get to the eight. You know, like if you lose in it's 10. It's kind of like we're, we're getting, even in professional sports now, we're getting to the everybody gets a trophy. I mean, soon they're just going to, like, have a tournament and, like, everybody's going to make the playoffs and you're just playing all year for seeding. I mean, to me, yeah, well, Completely diminishes the regular season. I hate that they've added teams in baseball. Yeah, yeah. No, see, I like it in baseball, but but I get it. I, I totally get it. And and baseball had so few is the difference. Look, there was a time. Um, too many in football too. There was a yeah. There was a time when the NHL had twenty one teams and sixteen went to the playoffs. I mean, how about that? Yeah, it's stupid. It's, uh, yeah, no, clearly. Um, I, yeah, and I don't. I mean, look, I will say it adds some excitement to the beginning of the playoffs that you didn't have. And it's not, you're not really in the playoffs. You got to earn your way in. And the Pelicans did it last year. And I got to tell you, just from experiencing it in New Orleans, that was really exciting. And that was really fun. And that was different. That team, to me, that deserved, you know, deserved I get that. Uh, the finish. But this I get team, that, but that team wouldn't have, that team was the nine seed. That team would not have gotten there. Look, the, the NBA set up this system, and last year I see how it can be fun. How, mm-hmm. Like it was fun to get that team in, and they were. That was one of the, some of the most fun basketball I've ever covered. It was enormous fun. It was that's great. rare. It wouldn't have happened if they didn't have the play-in. So for me to say the play-in's a bad idea, man, I loved it last year. I loved it last year, but that doesn't mean that it's right. And to okay. me, and, and just because this team doesn't deserve to be in the playoffs. They just don't. Uh, and so whether they make it or not, and even if they get Zion back and they make a run, no matter what happens the rest of the way, no matter how they finish, I mean, I'm just being realistic and trying to be as subjective as possible when I say this. This team doesn't deserve to be in the playoffs, and I kind of hope they don't go now. I mean, I'll cover them. We'll talk about them till, and as long as they're relevant and keep playing. But they don't deserve to be there. I would say let's see what happens the rest of the way. I'm not arguing with you. And as of right now, I agree with you. But that can change in, in this next, what is it, 13 left? 12? Let's uh, see. They, they've got what? Uh, I can do math real quick. 69, so they got 12 left. Yeah. So, Wait, I mean, 13 or 82? Uh, 80, I thought 13. it was 81. Why do I think it was 81? It would, never, it would never be an odd number. You got the same home as the way. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. All right. We've got, we, Sean has given us a lot of good questions. Here's here's a dumb one, but I'm I'm, I'm I'm gonna put Sean Hurst is is giving us a couple of good questions. Sean Hurst, your guy? No, uh, but yeah, he's my guy because he watches Attitude. So yeah, he's my guy. Um, should Willie Green be let go if they don't make the playoffs? I I sincerely hope that you're not serious, Sean, yeah. because yeah. look, I don't think Willie Green has done a great job this year. Don't get me wrong, because last year I thought he did an insanely good job. 
this year, and look, it's not all his fault things happen, but they have not played with the same heart and fire that they played last year when they didn't have Zion. Now, this year they've had a mix in of not having Brandon Ingram, and CJ has not played as well as he played when he got here last year. Um, and now you're missing Alvarado, you miss Nance for a bunch of games. There's a lot of un- other injuries too, but they have not played with the same passion they played with last year. But by no means, to me, should they let one of the great young coaches in the NBA go finding another job. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. And, and look, I, I mean, I heard this with the Saints a lot. You know, um, you know, do you fire the Mickey Loomis and the whole organization? It's like, okay, let's like take a step back. This organization has jets. a great deal of success. Like, take a big picture approach. Um, yeah. I understand. I understand the anger, and I understand the frustration. I understand how well they were playing last year and how they've fallen off a cliff, especially in the last month. I totally get that. I do agree with Willie Green, and I do think you you take a bigger picture look. Um, you hope you hope at some point you can get Zion for a whole season and let it come together. Right. I, I'm a fan of of Willie Green. I, I think where they are now with an still a really, really young nucleus that I still like in a lot of ways. I am hoping, and I know this is a hope and maybe not based a lot, based uh, maybe too much on hope, but, but I'm hoping this is a normal, you know, ebb and flow of, of getting better as a young team. It's, it's, it was a two steps forward last year and a one step back. And maybe we're going to see a two step forward happen. But, but I, I don't think you pull the plug on Willie Green at this point because I, I think we're a long way from the end of this road. I don't even know if that makes sense. It just does to me that, that, that Willie has a lot more in him. And this, at his level of experience, you had to expect his trajectory to not be straight up for there to be some learning curve getting there. Again, I don't know if that makes sense to anyone but me. And I'm hoping this is the normal ebb and flow of a learning curve for Willie and a young yeah. team. And that we're going to see the two steps forward come out of this. I, again, I, 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 I things differently and I hope that makes sense, but I don't know if it does, but if, but to answer the question, no, I do. No matter what happens in the next 12 or 13, whatever our math says, I, no way do I let go of Willie. Green. Oh, you, to go to your point, you talk about all the good player, the good young players on this team to again, to go to your point, you know, who else is young Willie green. He's <laughs> right, right. I and mean, so he's learning too. Right, right. correct. I mean, correct. it is what it is. I, I, mean, like, I, I don't like the way they played the last month, obviously. And he's going to learn from that. But, but, but I'm hoping this is a normal ebb and flow of getting there. Yeah. It's not a straight line rocket star trajectory. It is well, maybe unrealistic. Think about Sean Payton, his first season coming in and going to the NFC Championship game. And then struggling, right? And then there was you the, go yeah, through was, two seasons. You go right. two through two seasons of, of eight and eight. I think one of them they might have won seven and nine. One of them they went eight and eight. I don't remember exactly, but then they go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. So right. I mean, yeah, and and Sean Payton at that time was about the same age at that time as Willie Green is. As I talked to no one. It's oh, empty. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm talking to someone way more. He's just looking at me like, how can you not be paying any attention? Anyways, I'm sorry. Just way more important. It. Way more important. All right, well, we're, we're, we're just about done anyway. We're on the same um, page, though, right? On Willie? Uh, we're on the same page on Willie, though. Right? Oh, 100%. I mean, 100%. Willie, 
I mean, you're, you're, you're insane if you think Willie Green ought to go. All right, before we leave, we got uh, one more comment here from Gene. Bischoff, I believe is how you pronounce it. You don't build a winner from other teams' rejects. Uh, I'm not sure whether he's talking about the Saints or Pelicans. I'm assuming he's talking about the Saints. I'm assuming um, And if you, if you look at all 32 teams, if you're talking about the Saints, Gene, I will say this. If you look at the, the way the NFL works today, in case you didn't know, there's this period called free agency. And these 32 teams, they all get a chance to sign players from other teams, and all 32 teams, they actually do sign te- players that have played on other teams. So I don't think you – it's going to take you a long time to go back in NFL history and find a Super Bowl-winning team that didn't have players on it that played on other teams. That might be in reference to Derek Carr, maybe. Um, reject. But look, I, mean, <laughs> I get what I get exactly where he's coming from, and my point is that every single team that has ever won anything has players on it, significant players on it that played for other teams. And so look, they were to... they were quote unquote. Drew Brees was the reject of rejects. He's the original reject. He was an absolute reject. That's exactly what he was. They went and paid more. Drew Brees was a reject. So not only did the Chargers exactly. I get the point. Look, you don't win with another team's number seven. You know, your point guard can't be somebody else's fourth best point guard. You're not going to beat that team. I get that logic. But we live in New Orleans where we saw the guy who might go down as the greatest reject in NFL history. No he question. was absolutely rejected. So to say that in New Orleans, like you could say that maybe in other cities that have never had spectacular success with someone else's reject. But in New Orleans, I don't think you're allowed to say that until – it's our great grandkids who don't know who Drew Brees is that maybe they can say, you know, when was somebody else's reject? You know what? The Saints won a Super Bowl and, and had spectacular success for a decade with someone else's reject. That's just a fact. I mean, people may have their own opinions on me and say, <laughs> what is the Times McCune thinking? What is the John George's and company thinking? And I get that. But, you, you know, as someone that has been hired and fired by the same company four times, um, Wait, really? I, I would consider myself an ultimate reject, and so I'm times and hired four times. Yeah, yeah flat out fired. Fired. I mean, like, well, I mean, you let go is the same as fired. Yeah, no, no. yeah. I mean, if you give it a slip that says we we no longer require your services, that means you're fired. It sure feels like you're fired when that happens. I know that. Yeah, you're fired. I mean, you're you're gone. Adios. I mean, that's happened four times in eleven years and right. brought back. So and I love this podcast. More when I'm not on it, but I love this podcast. Well, I mean, I'm so as a as a as a supreme reject. <laughs> I mean, I kind of take offense to that. So I mean, you know, look, I've also been divorced in my life. So and and, and mar- not to the same woman. I mean, I got married again. I, I found someone that else that would take me. So you know, all kinds of rejection in my life, and you just keep marching on. So Gene, I don't agree. I call myself a winner. And I also call myself a reject. I mean, that's just what it is. No, I get it. And look, it, I do get that point. Um, but at the same time, look, watch Derek Carr. Like, Derek Carr's got ability. And watch the Saints last year. Derek Carr's got more ability than the Saints had on the field last year. Period. Just slightly. And, 
Your goal is to upgrade your football team. They upgraded their football team, whether that's with somebody else's reject or not, whatever you want to call them. They, Sean Payton recognized in Drew Brees that he was their best chance to win, even though San Diego wanted no part of him. He was not part of their future. He was hurt and rejected. And they said, you know what? We think this guy's an upgrade. Let's go get this guy. I think if you try to be a good move, I, I understand the logic. You're not going to lose with someone else. You're not going to beat someone with their second best guy. But this isn't really what this is. And, and I do think Derek Carr has real ability if, if it's harnessed right. Do I think he's among the top eight quarterbacks in the NFL? I don't. I do. But I, you do you really? Yeah, I think he's about number eight. I think he's somewhere between seven and nine. I'd have him a little lower than that probably, but I still think I, I think the last year and, and look, I haven't gone through all and looked at all, but I'm guessing last year's quarterback play as a team is definitely not in the top 25. It's in the bottom yeah. seven. Um, it may be around 25. And I, and I think Derek Carr will be a significant upgrade from the 25th or 28th or 22nd, whatever it is, best quarterback play in the NFL. I think he'll be a significant upgrade on that. San Diego, it translates into reject. I think yeah. that's a yeah, a, yeah. A, well, look, this is the that's one what Ron Burgundy would have said, yeah. right? I don't know. Yeah, yes. Right. You can't say you can't win with rejects from another team. You can't say that in New Orleans. Like you just oh. can't. Like you're not allowed until we're too old to remember Drew Brees. Speaking which of rejects, I, which I'm already old and I do remember it, so you can't say. Speaking of rejects, uh, I think we're being rejected out there. They've probably heard enough of us. Um, and uh, rejects your your fantasy baseball team one last time with dugouts. Uh, how, how are you going to do this? How you think you're going to do this year? Oh, I I don't. I I just want to compete, Jeff. You've been hanging around general managers way yeah, too long. Yeah, I know. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, I like my keepers. I, it's not a lot, but I I right. like what I have. Look, my goal, and I probably shouldn't say this. My goal is to finish in the month. My goal is not necessarily to win. My goal is to be. Just want to eat the goes for free. Yeah, my, yeah, because that's a beautiful thing. We <laughs> go to Drago's and eat everything you can find to eat, and have a couple of drinks. And if you're Mike Pearlstein, get a stupid giant ice cream dessert. Pearlstein, like Pearlstein, does that when he finishes in the money. The, the way the, our league works is there's ten of us. We go to and four finish in the money. So when we go yeah. to Drago's and we have this giant bill, the four who finished in the money, who already won money, they also don't pay for the bill. The other six split the bill equal. So part of the beauty of winning is that you eat for free. And I'm telling you, when you eat for free at Drago's and it's a lot of it and it's freaking awesome, like it's a great feeling. You feel good yeah, about Yeah, you know, I have, to, I have to pay about once every four years, and this is one oh. of the years I have to pay. I'm going to so have, I'm like, gonna, plain old fashions. God, it's really – it's going to hurt. I'm going to be like, stop drinking that. Don't eat oh, any more. No, you can't have another one of those. Oh, just kidding. I will not be having nine old fashions because I'm driving the car. Oh, well, and you're right about pearls. I don't want that. That's on the menu. Give me something that's off the menu that you have to pay extra for, Jacket. Can I just say this? Mike Pearlstein is maybe the – if you know Mike Pearlstein, he's a former – Times Picayune reporter. He's a investigator for Channel Four. He is maybe the greatest fantasy sports player I have ever been in contact with. Follower, because he knows very little he knows about nothing. 
baseball or the players, but he reads the room. And whoever doesn't read the room. No, he, he does. He, he bids on players that you, me, and Triple bid on. He doesn't have any opinions of his own. He looks around and oh, they bidding on that guy? 14. Exactly. An auction you don't draft. see him jumping on players that Duncan wants. He doesn't <laughs> Duncan wants him, he like goes and takes a potty break. Yeah. I mean he, he walks off. That's when he goes and gets his food. If Duncan and Katzenstein start fighting over a player, he, like, disappears. I mean, when you and I start bidding on players just sitting there waiting. Okay, are they done? Are they done? Let me get in there. And he never wins. But for finishing the top four, so he, he wins money, and he doesn't have to pay he's a draft. He's a son of a bitch, Doug. Go ahead, say it. You can say he's a son of a bitch. You can say I, that on I, this I, podcast. I cannot broadcast – Look at your co- co-workers. Not to say it on a live broadcast. Oh, you're going to get in trouble with HR if you say it. Okay, I'll say it for you. I'm going to put words in Doug Mouton's mouth. Mike Pearlstein is a son of a bitch. Right, yeah, there you go. I just think he's amazing because he finishes in the money with no knowledge. How do you do that? How do you win? I don't know. You know. It's almost like the guy who can win at, at Texas Hold'em without looking at his own cards. Well, just like, playing like, and there are guys who do? can do that. Yeah, What's what that? Would you do, Joe? What would you do, Joe? I got pocket eights. <laughs> right. Uh, and he hasn't even looked at. That's that's yeah. Pearlstein. That's his that's his plan every yeah. year. And Pearlstein, anyway. he's the kind of guy who would have pocket eights and raise big, and the board comes up ace king jack, and he would bet big. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. and then going, he goes out in the first half an hour. I could just see that. I don't know, but he'd say he'd win money because he always seems to finish in the money. Number wins. All right. Well, well have- there was a question that came up that I missed. One actually talking about something. Oh, no, that was a that was a comment. I would just put. He says, uh, "Jamal." I would just put up some comments. Jamal Williams. Yeah, I, would agree with that. I would agree with Matthew one hundred percent. hundred. I mean, one hundred percent is the most you can agree, but I want to say one hundred and ten percent. But that's mathematically impossible. I agree one hundred percent with that. Well, I mean, Mark Ingram is one hundred and ten years old, so I mean, yeah, he's, he's by running back eight, by running back years. Yes, if you saw my back. dog, my dog's like uh, I don't know, like eight. You know, but he feels right. like a middle-aged man. Like, what's <laughs> Mark Ingram? You know what I mean? Like, I don't like, want to know middle-aged man. All right, like, look, we go. We can go further on this show than we go f- with other shows, probably. But I don't need to know about you hugging a middle-aged man. If you want to do that, that's a, that's it's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's perfectly fine. But we don't need to talk about it on the show. Oh, okay, fair enough. Right. Now that I've successfully uh, made Doug Mouton's face. Bright red, and um, I'm just gonna let Please everybody do. know I'm gonna kick yeah. his ass in in the Donzi Rainy League. All right, that's, that's that's how we're gonna end the show. I'm sure, remember what happened last year? Okay, never mind. All right, two years before that, trophy, trophy, trophy. Yeah. All right. Well, we thank everybody for uh, watching. And Doug, uh, all joking aside, I know you had to work until wee hours of the night because basketball lasted a long time. You got another one coming up. Uh, thank you for getting up early and coming on a dad. Have I ever told you no? No, you've never told me no. Well, one yeah, time you had some. You did tell me no once, but you, you, it was actually for a reason. You okay. had to be somewhere. Or something. It was a shoot or something. Yeah. Well, look, and, and I, and no BS here. I think you do a great job. I think this, oh, like I, you know, I've known you for what at least twenty years. Like something like that. I think I honestly think this is what you're kind of meant to do. Like I have fun with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you found your niche. In a, in a, in doing this, and I think you're really good at it. And I, well, I want to say it on there. And I, I, and, I, 
every time I do this show, I feel like I add nothing, but it's fun to it's fun to do. So well, I appreciate that you say that there are at least I don't know, 18, 19 other people in the city that agree with you. So I mean I, that that's a good <laughs> I mean, maybe I'll get to twenty one or twenty three followers. Right. Yeah, who knows? No, I'm just kidding. It's more than that. We have we we love our datitude peeps. And this podcast has steadily gotten better as we've gone along. We can't do this without you. So all kidding aside, we, we for a writer, you're shockingly good at broadcasting. Well, you know, this thing right here, is this on? Is this on? Yeah, it works. Right. You know, right. So I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning. Yeah. No, there. so you always had it in you. I always thought you should be doing radio before podcasts were a thing. And well, now this is you. I grew up with Buddy D and, and Half Claudia. So. Yeah, you too. I mean, that's what I, that, that was my, my childhood. Yeah. All right. We're going to talk soon, my friend. Thank you for coming on. We'll, uh, we'll do it again. All right, Jim. Always fun. And, uh, you know, how I told you last week, <clears throat> we're going to fix that popping sound. I tried to edit it, get it as best as I could. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, uh, I couldn't fully get it out. Well, we're working on it. I, I, I swear that we're working on it. I've got a new device that's supposed to help that. I've been spending money that I probably don't have or should be spending on this podcast, but I'm spending it anyway, uh, and hopefully that'll be fixed next week. I didn't have a piece that I could monitor the sound. I got it, but I didn't have the piece that I, that I needed to monitor the sound, so hopefully it's coming in tomorrow. And we'll get it fixed, and everything will be much better on Datitude beginning next week when we're doing our interviews. All right, um, look, it's been an, an interesting show. Um, I think we we covered everything we needed to cover this week, right? I don't I don't know how you guys feel about uh, the signings. I, I I personally, if I had to give this team, considering where they were, a grade on, let's say, let's go back in time from two weeks ago. If you would have given me this list and said this is what the Saints going to do over the course of the next two weeks, I'd give them an A. I don't think I'd give them an A plus, but I'd give them an A. Now, overall, if you didn't tell me the Saints cap situation and said this is what they did, I'd probably give them like a B. But it's still pretty darn good. I mean, considering what the Saints lost and the fact that I think they did an overall good job, I mean, not easy to do. So I think you've got to be happy with where they are right now. Put it this way. When the season ended last year, I'm like, it's going to be a long couple years. And I don't feel that way anymore. Um, and not just because of Derek Carr. I mean, that's obviously a big reason. But I, I fully had it in my head. <clears throat> Excuse me. I fully had it in my head that when the season ended last year, um, that we were going to get another season. I was convinced in my head that Andy Dalton was coming back. And uh, he's going to Carolina now, and they're going to get probably either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. God, I hope they get C.J. I mean, I really hope they get Anthony Richardson, but they're not going to do that. <clears throat> But, um, you know, this is the Saints. The Saints have a window again. The Saints have a window where they go into next season as the best team in the NFC South. Whether they actually go through and finish as the best team in the NFC South, I don't know. they got work to do. But they're in a position to where I think they can be. We'll see if they actually do it. But um, they're in a good spot right now. A. A. Not A+. Plus, a. All right, we are going to go out today, you know, I told you we're going to go back to the, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to talk like an Irishman, laddie, you know. 
I'll go have a pint when this is over. I still have work to do today. I don't know. That's really bad. That's a really bad Irishman. But my last name is Derry. And when I, when I was going through and looking for songs for today, I, I had no idea. I had no idea there was a song called I Wish I Was in Derry. And so if you can find a song called I Wish I Was in Derry and your last name is, in, is Derry and it's St. Patrick's Day, then how can you go out any better than that, right? Well, maybe there is a way to go out better. Maybe we just don't do the show at all and that would be better. But that's not how we're doing it. We're going out with I Wish I Were in Derry. And you know what? Who knows? There are plenty of days where I do. The weather's kind of like it is in Derry right now, I'm sure. I mean, I don't know when you're listening to it, but as I record this, it's like 64 degrees and raining. Sounds a lot like probably Derry, except maybe it's 54 and raining in Derry. Who knows? Anyway. Well, we're going to take off, and uh, hopefully when we talk to you next week, uh, there probably won't be as much Saints news. Hopefully my bracket isn't completely torn up and hopefully the Pels have won, have gotten back to 500. Can they get back to 500? Well, they need, well, they can't get back to 500 because they, they, they'd have to win all four games to get to do that, then be, be one over. If they lose, they'd be one under, lose one. But if they're any worse than one under 500 by the time we talk next week, then I'm calling the season officially over. Pretty close to that now. We'll see if the Saints make any more moves. But we'll be back here on Dattitude regardless. Next Friday, live show at 9.15. The podcast next week will be 1.42. Wherever you get your podcast. Wherever you got this one. It'll be back here again next week. I'm sure you will too. Have a wonderful weekend. Might be the last really nice, feel, cool weekend of the year until like next November. So enjoy it. Get outside. Don't spend the whole weekend watching basketball, even if you want to. Spend it with the ones you love. Talk to you later. Peace and love, my friends.